Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Great. Yay. It's working. Can you see me? I kind of hope not. Oh, now I can. Like we can see the vague. It's kind of like your ghost. Okay. You're like a spectral being. <laughs> very spiritual. It's nice. I kind of it like is. it. It's, it's a yeah. little spooky. It's good. Fuzzy. Yeah, I'm glad I'm wearing a shirt because I was thinking, this is the coolest thing <laughs> to talk about my book. I don't have to wear pants. I, I almost mean, didn't wear pants. Yeah. So we, we would, would not have fun. judged you nor cared. <laughs> <laughs> good. It would have been, been right. great company. Sure. Yep. <laughs> That's great. Are we doing this naked? Fine. <laughs> Spiritual Conversations for the Godless. I'm Matthew Blake. And I'm Karen Thurston. Welcome to Heathen. Hi, Heathens. Hi, Heathens. <laughs> um, <laughs> welcome to a new episode. I don't know why I'm singing right You're singing because we're trying to be perky about the fact that tomorrow's the 4th of July. <sighs> I'm trying to be happy about that, but I, I, we just said I'm not feeling any kind of patriotism. Actually, maybe I am. Maybe I'm feeling like a different patriotic for a different country. Like Canada is pretty rad right Canada. now. Canada, you're gonna Canada all day tomorrow. <laughs> Canada, we're coming for you. Unfortunately, um, it's not their Independence Day. I yeah. know. Oh. oh well. It's we just a day off. Really, it's a day off from work really for me. Really nice to people tomorrow and apologetic and say please and thank you a lot and just embody yeah, it. Practice yeah. self care and being gracious with people around you. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. We should do um, like crazy love pranks tomorrow. Like we should go do some sort of wild we, and wacky love on people tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> crazy <laughs> love just, pranks. We just brought you a bunch of flowers. And <laughs> put them in a surprising location because it's not a prank anyway i'm done here we are <laughs> here we are hey this is the first time we've recorded an episode where nobody is in the same room no. we've got three yeah. people on the line and we're using technology which is cool Very and good it's fabulous um carly i'm ho- I, I i didn't ask you how to pronounce your last name carly gelsinger yeah, you got it right. Good Rad job. Rad is yeah. our guest. Hi, Carly. Welcome to Heathen. Hi. We are stoked to have you and um, stoked that this finally worked out. It was uh, my fault that we had to cancel this like 18 times, but here we are. Um, and the thing we like to do on Heathen is ask our guests to introduce themselves um, in ho- however you would like to be known for the next um, you know, hour, 90 minutes, however long this thing goes five hours who knows maybe we're Whoa really there. gonna hit it off i'm Whoa. just kidding i'm just kidding we all have bedtimes um but yeah would you uh say hello and take a second sure. to hi everyone um i'm carly and i am an author mother of two i live in the california bay area and i am an ex-pentecostal ex-evangelical and trying to define myself by what i'm by not what I'm not, but it's really hard to do. Mm, yeah, yeah, it is hard to do. But that was really good, actually. I that that gives us a lot of information about you and some yeah. good starting points, actually. Um, um, not that it's relevant at all, but where are you in the Bay Area? Because I'm curious. Well, you know, I'm in Gilroy, which is okay. actually 
kind of not really considered the Bay Area. Yeah, I'm from Las Gatas. I grew up in. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I was just there last week. Yeah. That's all. I have been to the area. (laughs) Good work. (laughs) You did it. You were in San Francisco not too long ago. That's true. I was. That's close. Gilroy has garlic. It's like the garlic. Yes, our festival's coming up. Oh, really? Yeah, we can smell it already. Have you you had garlic ice cream? Yes. Do you like it? I do. I do. At the festival, they give you like sample size portions for free. Okay. And I feel like that's just enough. Like, I don't think I would want <laughs> a double scoop, but just that little sample is really good. It's fun for a minute and then yeah. quite enough. Yeah. That's so wild. The garlic ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> have I don't All the restaurants in town try to capitalize on the garlic thing too. So there's one that does a garlic martini. Um, one of the local wineries does a garlic wine. For some reason, I'm much I'm more offended. Of those. Garlic martini is much more offensive to me than garlic ice cream for reasons that I can't quite name. Like I'm garlic not sure. wine, just unless it's for cooking, is just no. Why? Yeah. No, thank you. Okay. Well, now this went from being fun to now I'm kind of like. Mm, okay. Sorry. Garlic wine. <laughs> <laughs> Hard no. Hard no. Garlic wine. <laughs> Hard pass. Yep. Oh man. Um, so I feel like we're lucky to get to chat with you. I feel like we're getting the scoop because you said you're an author, um, but it's your first book. Is that right? That's coming out soon. Yes. (laughs) That breath breath told me a lot. Freak out stage. We're three (laughs) months away and everything they said about publication is true. And I didn't Mm. believe it. I thought, no, I'll ride the waves of anxiety and it's going to be great. But no, it's awful. (laughs) And nobody do it. Is it just the, like the finality of having to put it out there and it's really scary. And my book is a memoir. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is, it's about becoming Pentecostal and evangelical and then leaving that behind. So it's very personal and very raw and just the idea of yes, that it's out there. For the whole, I mean, that was the whole point. I've been working on a book for years, hoping that people will read it. And now that that's coming up, I'm like, no, take it back. <laughs> Just kidding. Like, yeah. got like morning in the shower. I have 15 advanced reader copies in a mm. box in my minivan. And I was like, can we just burn those copies and just cancel it and no one will know that it ever happened? <laughs> well, cat's out of the bag now, sister. Oh, man. So you're having like a pre-vulnerability hangover, basically. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I hear you. Yeah, I we feel know. like everybody that, like half the people I follow on Twitter are writing books, right? And and everybody yeah, says that. They all say like, don't do this. It's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> you guys are really encouraging. I can't wait to write it. Save yourself. Run. <laughs> so exciting. I think, so, you know, I'm trying to get takeaways out of it and not just be miserable. <laughs> Good. One one of the things I've been thinking about is that if you want to be a writer, it really has to be for you in the writing. So, Mm. I mean, the writing process is agonizing in a different way, but I enjoyed it and it felt fruitful. Yeah. But this is different. And I think there's this idea, I think Anne Lamott talks about this, that like publication is when you have arrived, but it's not really like that. And I thought, well, for me, it'll be like that because it's what I've always wanted. But as I get closer to that date and passing milestones, I keep thinking, oh, the next milestone is when I'll feel that I have arrived. 
So like, oh, it was, you know, at first was like, when I get a book deal, then I'll feel like I've arrived. Or when they design my cover, then I'll feel like I've arrived. Or um, when I get my first blurbs or when I get those first advanced copies. And now I've done all those things and I still, it's, I still don't feel satisfied. It's, mm. it's not fulfilling in the way that people, I think, think it is. Yeah. The only thing that's really fulfilling is the writing and the craft. Mm. Yeah. Well, because you're a writer and then it becomes all about marketing, I imagine. Oh and yes, it's so a much. little different yeah. world. And doing random podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really fun. I'm like, clowns. I can't think of any other chance to talk about my book when I'm in my pajamas at home. At <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <Fun>. <laughs> Yes, it is a good gig. The the dressing for a podcast thing. Yes. Is, it's real, real nice. Slow pressure. Mm. Yeah. Oh so man. What's uh what's your what's the backstory? Like why you, you said ex-Pentecostal and ex-evangelical. What uh yeah. how'd you start into all that? Well, so my family was Christian nominally. Mm-hmm. Um kind of like go to church on Easter. We would say prayers sometimes, um, but not, not in the way that, let's, let me put it this way. I think evangelicals would have not thought that we were going to heaven, right? Because we were nominal. We were the, the dreaded Christmas and Easter Christians. Yeah. Um, so I had that foundation of like, Jesus is the son of God. And I accepted Jesus into my heart when I was six years old. And I, at the time it meant a lot to me. Um, so I had that foundation. And then as I, as I grew into an adolescent, I was really lonely. Um, Mm -hmm. I was homeschooled. I grew up in these wild mountains in Northern California. They're gorgeous and stunning, but not a lot of people live there. Mm -hmm. I was looking for community. Um, a place to belong, friends my age, a group, and there was one church in our little town that had all that. Mm. And so I showed up one day, and it there were all these promises of being a part of something huge and magical, and it felt so special. And there were red flags everywhere, and I ignored them and I pushed them back. Um, because I was just so desperate, I think, for that community. Yeah, definitely. As a a 13-year-old by yourself, you just went? Um, I mean, yes, that's the short story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In the first chapter of my book, I describe a scene where my brother and I are literally just riding our bikes around our small town kind of just killing time. We had gone to the library alone and read some books and we weren't like latchkey kids like that normally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my mom had a doctor's appointment. So she let us like ride our bikes around town for a couple hours. And um, we like rode past this church and there was a banner that said youth group or it actually didn't say youth group. It said voice in the desert, um, 7 p.m. on Thursdays. And I thought, wow, that sounds kind of interesting. What is that? And so. Um, we showed up one night. Yeah. Yeah. That's rad. Mm-hmm. We, I lived in Reno for a minute for a couple of oh, years wow. and um, we used to go camping uh, like in Yuba, Yuba river area. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, so I, one, one weekend, I remember 
coming out of the woods with all of our, our camping gear and everything and just throwing it in the car. And we just, we found a church that was uh-huh. <laughs> close by to right. <laughs> wherever and just <laughs> walked in like, you know, just gross, stinky and, and covered in dirt. Uh-huh. Um, and just went to this random church uh, up there. We so I feel like excited to see some fresh people there. Probably. Yeah. But yeah, it was, just, it was super cute. Like small town, like ev- clearly everybody in the room knew each other. Yeah. It was, uh-huh. And I think we went away with like, you know, first timer gifts, like, mm. <laughs> uh, but also like, that's something I used to do is go camping and then like, make sure to get in church. Uh, oh yeah. Like, <laughs> you have to go to church. On don't miss church. Not an yeah. excuse to miss church. <laughs> you miss Jesus. If you are camping this Sunday in nature, as opposed to in the pews where you belong. Oh my God. I went. I went to a church once where the next day, so I went and I like filled out a little comment card and the next day somebody just left a little jar of jam, Mm -hmm. um, like on my doorstep. And I lived in this apartment by myself in like a fairly remote part of town that was all the way across town. And like, they just left this little jar of jam, Wow! like a little note the next morning, like before noon. Did you find that sweet or creepy at the time? Yes, both. I found (laughs) it both sweet and creepy. I was like, wow, this, first of all, I really like jam. So I'm into that. Homemade and someone probably was like, this is a nice gesture. I was single and living alone. So, you know, I was living on like omelets and frozen spinach so anything helps but mm. also I was like how did they <laughs> 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 someone was here they didn't knock because <laughs> 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 I lived like at the end of like a little corridor so like someone had to walk down the little corridor I'd, like drop the thing and I was home the whole time I don't know I know it's kind of like I know what you're doing yeah I like it <laughs> right hospitality is great and all but I like this jam yeah jam though is awesome so yeah I mean uh, I do development and like fundraising for my day job and that's I mean that's the kind of stuff we do for you know like ten thousand dollar donors jam (laughs) well not jam but you know like the home visit like dropping off a gift and and showing up on announce and that kind of stuff so yeah churches are like really uh they're on it advanced yeah (laughs) Client appreciation. Mm-hmm. They're nailing it. Were you homeschooled because like it was just a remote location or because you're Yeah, at the time the pu- the one public school in town wasn't all that great. Mm. And my my mom was gonna homeschool us for one year because what you know, her story is that my brother was like a young kindergartner and he just didn't want to go. Hmm. And so she was going to hold him back one year. And then when I found out he didn't have to go to school, I was like, oh, I don't want to either. And so that's why. But we ended up becoming like a real homeschool family. (laughs) Nice. But it wasn't really for religious reasons. Right. So you still had a pretty like standard curriculum and. Yeah. Um, You know, I have gaps, I think. Probably everyone has gaps in their education. but because I didn't have a lot of teachers and a lot of different perspectives. There's some things I learned as an adult now and I'm like, wow, I completely missed that. But mm-hmm. I really liked it for other reasons. Um, it definitely gave me a sense of curiosity and a love of learning that, um, that I'm really thankful for. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Just that kind of like self-taught motivation stuff. Yeah. A lot of it. I mean, if anything, we were kind of, my mom would hate it if I said it this way, but like, hippie unschoolers where we learned on the land and we would take 
trips as a family in the RV and like study science, like mm -hmm. swimming in the ocean and taking pictures of fish. I like that. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're all into your childhood. Like, we were not like Duggar homeschool style, like home church homeschoolers <laughs> and matching jumpers and all that. We wore pants and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I learned about evolution. <laughs> you had names that began with different letters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's only two of us. So yeah. all right. <laughs> qualification. <laughs> okay. So you're 13 and you stumble into this church mm -hmm. in search of community and belonging. Mm -hmm. um, what kind of a church? was it it was an assemblies of god which is a pentecostal denomination um assemblies of god is actually not a super radical denomination for the most part mm -hmm. um this one was more radical i think because it, of the small town and the isolation but yes it was pentecostal so the mm -hmm. speaking in tongues and the holy rolling and slain in the spirit and the prophecies and the visions and the miracles and the fasting the whole bit. So did that all come out like on the first day, like the first time that you? Um, kind of. I I started going to this little Wednesday night um, group that they had. That was it was for girls. It was like the Girl Scouts, um, but they called it Missionettes, and mm. which is a nationwide Assemblies of God program. Mm. Um, so some of your listeners maybe you remember that being involved in missionettes. And so we would memorize scripture, um, talk a lot about like why we shouldn't have sex or why abortion's bad, those kind of mm. things. And then Scary. there was an annual camp and I just happened to start going in the summertime when it was a couple of weeks before this camp. And so at the camp is where I was first exposed to the frenzy that is a Pentecostal altar call. Mm. Mm. And it was really scary for me at the time because I had seen nothing like that. Hmm. Yeah, it's that's a. Have you guys a, ever seen a Pentecostal altar call? Yeah, one time. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, I, where? Where and when? I was in uh, in in my hometown of Asheville, North Carolina, or actually, I think it was a little even smaller, more rural area outside of Asheville. But I was, gosh, probably twenty. 20 or 21 um and i was uh part of a uh I, i'm gay i'm queer and um so at the time i was in a group in exodus which was um was oh, that the ex the gay therapy yeah oh. uh sorry <laughs> yep yeah it's so damaging yep, it's very and bad it doesn't work no it's, it's it was awful um it, it, it was awful and it was also like my only community during that weird phase of my life it was the only like friends I had were these other well, like, five other guys and one like girl you, who were I guess sorry you were with people who were like you yeah. right I mean you were all struggling with same-sex attraction yeah totally but one of the guys yeah. kind of our, our ringleader his name was Robbie and he was totally from like that background I don't know if it was assemblies of God per se but it was definitely a mm -hmm. Pentecostal background and um he even in our like small group of five sometimes when we were having like our group therapy sessions he would Get a little a little yeah. crazy and i was like whoa yeah what's happening right now? <laughs> get a little too excited yeah just woo. um and <laughs> so he invited us all to uh i don't I, I get an altar call is that just what the event is called like well they might be called a revival yeah. or it was it was definitely like a healing focused calls. thing um yeah because and that's why he invited us because he was like there's going to be this special pastor reverend wow. speaker um uh -huh. who's going to be able to like assist us all on our journeys toward heterosexuality 
And, mm-hmm. um, and so I was, you know, like third in line or whatever. So I had seen a couple, what happens with the, the couple people in front of me and, and the, mm-hmm. the falling and the convulsing and everything. So uh-huh. I kind of, I kind of played into, I kind of did it cause I was, I was real scared. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause you wonder what's going to happen if I resist this. Exactly. And what does that say about me? And um, yeah. Yeah, so I tr- I tried to be open. That's like maybe I kind of want this experience. Maybe this right. is transformative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you feel like it was at all for you? I felt really out of place the entire time. It the, yeah. whole, the whole time oh. it felt wrong and weird, and uh-huh. um, I certainly didn't feel anything supernatural or spiritual happening in me. It was just like, okay. how do I fit into this space in this time? Okay, that's what I was doing. Yeah. I remember feeling that way a lot in the beginning. Yeah. But, yeah, I had a. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 Karen. Do you want to fight? Uh, <laughs> I had a friend, I had a close friend growing up who was Pentecostal and I went to church with him a few times. And I remember I grew up in a very like, there was not a lot of emoting in the church that yes. I went to. Like you would raise your hands and close your eyes. And okay. that was kind of the extent of the, sometimes we pray aloud, our father and our God. Um, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> uh, and um, but yeah, but I would go with him and there's a lot of, you know, speaking tongues and people running down the aisles and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And I, okay. I remember it always kind of being, but I was also a theater kid. So I think there was part of okay. me. That yeah. Kind of, yeah. All right. You know, like yeah. I can get into the, the cathartic nature of oh, this. It, it can be very cathartic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, mean, I can buy into that. If there's like that energy in a room, mm-hmm. like I can join in the same way I can join into rooting for a football game and I don't care mm-hmm. about football, but if we're all excited about football, I'm in, you know? Right. So, um, and then I did a lot of, I did a lot of kind of like white savory missions trips uh-huh. in Africa and Tanzania and other places where uh, demon possession, that sort of realm of the spiritual is much more present in Christian churches. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot of that there too, where it's just like, oh, I don't have a context for what is happening here, but the power of of Christ compels you. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, wow. I saw a movie one time and I can apply that here. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So yeah, it's a trip though. It's definitely a stepping into a different uh, way of interacting with the world that the whole group has agreed upon. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is That's a, a good way to put it. Yeah, we've all decided that this is how the world works mm. all of a sudden. Um, and if like, you don't agree uh, on this, then it, it can happen and it's real. Right. Yeah. Did it wow. become more normal for you? Like how, how long were you in Yes, the world? it took me about two years to really get there. So, I mean, from the time I walked into the church, I think it was maybe a year and a half or two years before I was speaking in tongues. Mm. And it not until I was speaking in tongues did I feel completely at home in that environment. Wow. Hmm. Everything leading up to that, I was a little bit anxious, felt a little bit out of place, kind of like what you were just describing. Um, but then after that, it's like, it changed everything. Yeah. Hmm. Can I ask you some questions about your speaking sure, in tongues yeah. experience? Like, what was that, what was that like like, do you have a memory of the first time you spoke in tongues and whether or not that was like a, like a cognitive decision you were making or if you felt like overcome by something or the first time I was definitely overcome. Hmm. It was, it was another conference. And by this point I was kind of like wanting it when before I was scared and freaked out and thought it was freaky and maybe demonic. Right. Um, 
but then as I got more used to theology, I, I started really wanting it. So I'm at this conference and the preacher said that everyone's going to get the gift that night. And all we have to do is raise our hands and um, repeat the same prayer over and over out loud. So mm -hmm. you, when you get the gift of tongues, what they'll have you do is move your mouth and make syllables like English syllables. So I think I was saying like, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus, over and over. And then suddenly it was like, bam. And I was speaking in all these syllables I didn't recognize. I didn't recognize the tone of my own voice. Mm. It was bizarre. It was very otherworldly. Wow. How do you feel like looking back on that? Like what it's is so your, weird. Yeah. what's your box for that now? It, it's really hard. I try not to put it in any box I did for years and now I just kind of let it be I mean I don't know maybe there was something there I don't think it, it if it was something it's not in the language that they use or the terms that they put it but I don't know maybe I was connecting with some something about the divine or maybe not maybe it was completely mm -hmm. emotional brainwashing and I don't really care to know I, yeah. I don't know that it matters um, I haven't spoken in tongues in, how old am I? I haven't spoken in tongues in 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I can on the spot. Like if someone asks me to, then I can do it. I can revert back to that language. It's mm -hmm. really weird. It's like writing. Wow. A that's wild. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, mm -hmm. I... Also, what, what you just said about um, that, I don't know if it matters. That's like my favorite thing about deconstructed religious. Yeah. All that sudden, posture of. I don't know if it matters. I don't need it. Yeah. It's my favorite statement. So that's all you made. You made it already. So we're good. We're only <laughs> yeah. You win the podcast. Um, go ahead, Matthew. Oh, I love that too. I, I was just thinking about um, our conversation with, we had Derek Webb on the show uh, oh, a couple, yeah. couple months ago, and I was telling him a story about uh, a spiritual experience that I had been really unable to explain where I actually my memory of the of the event is that I heard the voice of God, like like an audible mm -hmm. speaking voice in my ears. Um, and uh, I, the reason I told him this story is because his song, one of his songs, was playing as as part of the experience, and it it, it just ended up. It was a whole like life story that I like held onto for years. It was like a moment that, I, that was my. Well, I don't know what I believe, and it's hard to discern what I believe, but I know I had this experience, so I know God's real. That it was, back to that. Yeah, it was mm -hmm. kind of a rock thing. But um, yeah. and and so I had never, I had never been able to figure out as uh, the the further, the more I deconstructed, and the further away from my uh, the faith of my youth that I got, I I, I just it kind of set there. I was like, I don't know what that was, and and you know, a lot of times I was like, I don't care to know. Um. And then Derek and I got into a conversation about intuition and just like what our bodies are telling us and those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And 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 ever since that conversation with him, I've been like reframing that experience, um, just in that context of of what what might I have known without knowing it, and and like what was my body trying to tell me? What what mm -hmm. was my spirit or my soul? You know, trying to say to me in that moment, and it's been it's been really interesting actually, because this this has only been in the past few months that I've started reframing that experience, and that's interesting. It's been cool because it's like it's always been an important experience to me, but the further right. away from Christianity I got, the harder it seemed to reconcile with it. Yeah, and yeah. Um, and now I feel like I have. Am I, is that bark coming from me? 
No, that's me. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, it's not Jade. It's a different dog. I was like, hi, Jade. Oh, not Jade. Uh, well, yeah, we have uh, Jade's in the corner over here, and she's she's, all, always she's on every dog. episode. She always barks at some point, but cool. Oh, okay. We have new dogs. Yeah. Yay. What's your dog's name? Oh, that's Daisy. Daisy. <laughs> I'm just glad you guys can't hear the kids. They're pretty quiet right now. Oh, yeah. They're doing great. We're good. Um, I wasn't going to plug it again, but since you brought up Derek Webb, I would highly recommend to further this whole conversation. Everybody watch Darren Brown's Miracle yeah. on Netflix. Okay. I started it the other night and I fell asleep. <laughs> Not because yeah. it was boring at all. I was just, I started it way too late. <laughs> Ruining my plug. It's not boring. <laughs> it's not. Um, it's super in interesting. Well, and the whole second half of it is he does an atheistic faith healing. Yes. So well, like the whole bit where he does an altar call and he does the whole thing and he talks about story and the power of story and the power of catharsis and Bruce. And this is Derek Webb? Uh, well, no, Derek Webb is the one who watched it and like posted oh. about it on Instagram and we were like, oh, okay, it's Darren Brown is his name. Darren Brown, you know, okay. Name. I will definitely look that up. There's so many awesome things out there for deconstructioners that I don't feel were there 10 years ago. When oh I was my gosh. Five years ago even. Like, yeah. It's all pretty new and great. But yeah, that's a good one to watch. And it's fun. It's kind of magic-y and neat. So mm. 10 out of 10 would recommend. <laughs> cool. Two you. episodes in a row. Maybe I can finish it tonight and I won't fall asleep now. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. So go ahead, Karen. We've Sorry. got you there. We've got you now in this and you're speaking in tongues and you're feeling like you have a, a place of belonging and a yeah. place of it's being. It's powerful because... I've always been a doubter. I mean, mm -hmm. I remember going to Sunday school as like a six-year-old girl and thinking like, this can't be real. Like these stories they're telling me about the Bible and Jesus, like this has to be made up. Like, have they ever looked at a science book? That's the kind of six-year-old I was. Right. And so I was constantly looking for proof. Like I really, really, really wanted to believe in a God and I wanted that God to be Jesus. Mm. Um. And so when that happened, I was like, yes, it is real. It's real. I can believe it finally. Uh, yeah. And so I clung to that for years. And even when it got abusive and horrible, I clung to it because it was the only thing that I could for sure hold on to that made me think that all this stuff was real. Hmm. So, but there's obviously like a slow undoing that begins at some point in yeah. this very slow it only happens really dramatically in the movies i think mm -hmm. yeah i would agree i think that's yeah um so what were those like how did that start did you have questions that kind of began that trajectory or yeah i think well i don't know if it began with questions as much as it just the lifestyle got so miserable the mm. role and the the abuse of power and the rules just got too difficult to live by. Mm. Was it like specific? Were there specific rules or specific? Oh, so one thing about Pentecostals, now this isn't true with every Pentecostal domina domination. Mm -hmm. I can't talk. <laughs> but um, with ours, it was like, well, we have, when the, what the spirit, what's the verse? Um, what the spirit free is free indeed. Mm. Tell me that. Oh yeah, what the... What the spirit sets free, sets free, free is free indeed, or yeah. Yeah, so we really believe we are free indeed. So we didn't have a lot of hard and fast rules. You, you couldn't like, so you couldn't, they couldn't be able to, they wouldn't be able to print out a document of church rules mm -hmm. or behavior expectations. 
but they were all unwritten and, and, but they were there, but you right. had to feel it out. Mm. And so, for example, for modesty rules, there were no rules like, oh, your, your skirts have to be below your knee and you have, you have to wear shirts to your elbow or there was nothing like that. But if you would show up to church in something that the pastor's wife deemed inappropriate, she would make eyes at you until you, mm. but she wouldn't say like, Oh, that that's breaking a dress code. It would just be in a subtle look. She would look at you and kind of tug at her own shirt to demonstrate that your shirt is maybe too low and you should pull it up. Mm. Or she'd say, Oh honey, I have a little cardigan for you to put on. Mm. So it was, you kind of had to navigate what the rules were. All Intuit, intuit the rules. Cause we were, spo- we, we didn't follow rules. We followed the spirit. Right. Well, and then there's the implication that like, if you're not following the rules, correctly by someone's definition you are then not in touch with the spirit yes which is rough yes Mm. no no pressure yeah (laughs) yeah and I remember just living my life in fear that I was passing up what we call divine opportunities this is a very evangelical thing but Pentecostals just have a slightly different language for everything Hmm. And so what the idea was, so you see someone at the bank and you have a stirring in your heart that you're supposed to tell that person about Jesus. Okay. And if you don't do that, then you've passed up that divine opportunity Mm. and the Holy Spirit hardens your heart. And then God won't give you opportunities like that in the future. Oh gosh. So you're not going to go to hell, but you're hardening your heart to God and you're not, you can't live the, the fullness of life that God has promised you. Hmm. so it's it's scary all the time because all our, our heart feels things all the time so you're walking around and you're like oh that person might want me to talk to them like I sense that person's having a bad day I should go talk to them yeah. that's interesting I feel like the Pentecostal church has a lot more emphasis on the Holy Spirit and like oh, yeah it's conversation all- about internal knowing stuff then mm-hmm. it's all very feely and I relate to a lot of that because I yeah you know, once I left Pentecostalism, I really tried with like what I call garden variety evangelicalism. Mm-hmm. And it was just so boring. <laughs> just, there was no, it felt like there was no heart behind it. I was like, what's, and they still have all the rules. I'm like, what's the point of all You guys aren't even Jesus. <laughs> it's all the rules and none of fun. Go on. <laughs> Where's the miracles? Oh this is God. just like a bunch of, That's this is so boring. Funny. Yeah, that's true. It is. It is a lot of the rules, and not as much of the like dramatic, cathartic stuff. At least we had yeah those emotional experiences to look forward to. Mm. Yeah, nothing. No, no (laughs) emotions were super well. So in my church, I I I grew up in a a tradition called Plymouth Brethren, which is like wildly. That sounds very East Coast. Yeah, it is. Um, And it's wildly fundamentalist. Um, Like my mother still covers her hair um, in church and women aren't, you know, permitted to speak. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's gross. Um, (laughs) uh, But we did have, like, the only emotion that we had on Sunday mornings was penitence. And and it was very... Oh, I was going to say joy. uh, So not even joy. Just sober. I mean, I guess it's joy by way of like acknowledging how awful we are and, and, okay. you know, how, <laughs> not going to hell. Yeah, like how, how it, you know, the gratitude is certainly part of it. And, but it's always mm-hmm. focused on the entire service is just 
it's just called the Lord's Supper. Like it, the service itself okay. is the Lord's Supper. So it's all centered wow. around. It all culminates with communion, and it's a uh, it's like a popcorn thing where the men take turns standing up and either calling out a hymn or reading scripture or giving a you know meditative thing. But there was always, there was one man in particular I I always remember every week every Sunday without fail he would stand up and three words in he's already in tears about what an awful person he was and how grateful he was mm. to be saved yes so yeah that was our only emotion <laughs> wow we had joy you have some fundy street cred that's like real fundamentalism yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's way more legit <laughs> you come from more of like the garden variety evangelical thing garden variety non-denominational okay. bay area yep. church so just like we had easter musicals we had fun we had choir and we had we had camp we went to camp every summer and it was a blast and we had dc talk concerts and we had mountaintop experiences right uh -huh. like that's always the thing where you know we'd go to camp and like you could be a little more like uh -huh. you'd get your sort of altar call on at camp and do the whole thing so yeah we had moments where there was a lot of crying and like strong emotion and mm -hmm stories about demons and fear mm. around campfires lots of that yeah. um so yeah I mean we definitely had like I remember I mean I remember crying in worship lots of times plenty of times just like feeling moved and joyful and connected to something and um part of that whole thing so yeah I mean I feel like there was a decent amount of emotion but in a very like keeping up with the Joneses Bay Area way where we're all like everything's oh, yeah, totally yeah <laughs> like we're all here we have emotions but they're all positive and we're all very successful and everything's fine I can't um, imagine Pentecostalism thriving in Los Gatos yeah there are a couple of Pentecostal churches in Los Gatos but it's definitely really? like I think it's a little fringy I don't know I don't want to speak for the entire Silicon Valley but um it felt fringy to me but I also like I have part of my family is Christian scientists. So that was a much okay. more buttoned up situation too. So yeah. like my dad found the vineyard church. That's how he came to Jesus was through the vineyard church. So okay. that was kind of a big, like big swing from mm -hmm. where they were before. Cause you know, drums were involved. We had drums. Hmm. Yeah, drums. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got drums, you're halfway to hell. That's how that works. Yeah. But they do, oh, they caged the drummer, right? They yeah. Oh, 100% they caged the drummer. <laughs> No I question. Have to. They're really loud. <laughs> they are pretty loud, especially in small spaces. There's only so much you can do. Poor little drummers in cages. Oh man. So, are you um, familiar with Bethany College then, being in Los Gatos or? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I did a semester, uh, one miserable semester there. <laughs> oh, so you loved it? Yeah, it was great. <laughs> great experience. <laughs> Sounds very positive. I hope that's I'm like sorry. the title of a chapter in your book, <laughs> One Miserable. And my degree would mean nothing. <laughs> mm -hmm. <Yeah. laughs> Yay. All right. Where were we? I feel like we, we did our uh, thing where we tangented and we hoodwinked. Oh, that's our favorite thing. We were talking about when, what caused us to leave or the questions we began to ask ourselves. Yeah, yeah we. So were you married at this point? Is this oh, a, I meant the three of us here. Oh, the three <laughs> of us. Got it. I'm like, we, are you a couple? What happened? Are you royal? I am now, but he didn't go through this with me. He has his own deconstruction story. Mm. Very different from mine. Mm. Um, I think, you know, I reflect on this at the end of my book where I try to figure out the moment that I began what they call backsliding. I don't, is that an event? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, because they said it always starts with one tiny sin. So, I mean, it could be anything. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe I started backsliding when I 
promised God I'd give up secular music, but then started listening to the Beatles again in secret. Oh, you know? the Beatles so have taken have that money. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say when it begins, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and the Beatles, I mean. And the Beatles, yeah. <laughs> Lord. I remember being really sad because I thought I was supposed to believe that John Lennon was in hell. Mm. And then mm. like, it made me so sad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I totally know what you mean. I don't want to live in the world where John Lennon is in hell. Yep. Right. I used to pray for Cheryl Crow. <laughs> on the regular. Positive of you. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, no, like anybody from Lilith Fair, actually. Like I prayed for all the Lilith Fair. That was that was oh. my jam. I freaking loved the late late nineties female singer songwriter. Aw. Um, man. And they thought you could pray the gay away. <laughs> I can't even pray the Christian Christian into Alanis Morissette. How am I supposed to pray the gay away? Can't do it. I was at a revival in San Francisco, and they did this frequently. But I don't know why this stands out in my mind so much. And they said, "Someone here is struggling with homosexuality. I want you to stand up right now." And so this oh. kid behind me just starts like sobbing oh, uncontrolled and shaking. I was like, "That must be the one." <laughs> And they healed him right there in front of oh, everyone, of course. Yeah. I'm sure he's very straight now. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. That's the kind of story where, like, my mom's side gets real angry. Like, I immediately am that person's oh, mother. And I'm just like, oh, God, I will end someone over this yeah. story. <laughs> Don't you dare. Don't you dare put a kid oh, in are you, As a mother, are you paranoid about what concepts your children learn about God? Yes, I was, uh, when I was, I, so my deconstruction happened right after Fable was born, right after my daughter was born, I sort of, um, launched, yeah, that was my postpartum depression was launching into deconstruction. Um, but I felt very responsible for the fact that not only was my salvation in jeopardy, but also hers Mm -hmm. and, um, that I was not only robbing for hers. Yeah, and robbing her of Jesus and robbing her of what was really a very positive experience for me growing up. Oh, it was. Okay. Yeah, this idea that she wouldn't have, because I mean, I had a great time growing up. I felt like I belonged and I had all my friends were church friends. My parents were super involved. We were at church all the time. And it was an over, until it wasn't, it was an overwhelmingly positive experience for me. So the idea of her not having that community and security and sureness, just the, I I grew up so sure that there was a God and that it was all okay. And that God had a plan and that like, there was nothing to be afraid of. Um, I grew up with so little fear, like that's the privilege of no fear. Because I think a lot of Christian kids that grew up in Sunday school have a lot of fear they're yeah they're afraid of going to hell they're afraid the devil is in their thoughts I mean well and I had the privilege of being exceptionally good at being good oh. um so I was good at being Christian so that meant that I was okay you know <laughs> like I was safe because I was you good. never had to wonder if you're going to hell because you're always a good girl right I was always the exemplary Christian oh. girl and that you know I didn't have anything to worry about now the the shame component and me shutting down, you know, desire and need and exploration and all kinds of things on the flip side of that, I didn't start coming to terms with until well into adulthood. So as a child, I was not at all aware of any of that going on in me. I just was a happy little camper going to church camp and purity chats and 
uh-huh. enjoying my life and feeling very convicted and uh-huh. like I stood for something. Um, uh-huh. And so I liked it. So there was, when I was losing that, when I was taking that apart, there was definitely part of me that was like, I don't have a blueprint for what her childhood will look like without that. It was yep. such a huge part of mine. I don't, mm-hmm. what do you do? What do you do on Sunday mornings? Yeah. What do people do? Oh. Turns out like brunch, <laughs> sleep. <laughs> Mostly brunch. <laughs> a lot of brunching. Maybe because I didn't grow up in a consistent church going family, I found that the easiest part to get myself mm. back. <laughs> it's like, it feels so natural. Wow. Yeah. But I can imagine if you came from a family where that was tradition, you did that every Sunday morning. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. At first. The first year that I really sort of didn't go to church, like it was it was real weird for me. Like it was that was the first time that I was not only not at church on Sundays, but not at church multiple days of the week because we were always super involved. So, yeah, that was a that that felt really rebellious to me, not going to church. on Sunday. It definitely is. I'm 31 and mm-hmm. have, I have two kids. One's five and two, and we have another one on the way. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Um, and it, it definitely is harder to make friends out there without yeah. kind of the built-in easy community of showing up at a church and you get plugged in, right? And right. you get plugged in and go to the life group and suddenly you have people who care about you and want to make a meal train for you. And Yeah, and it's without that, it's like, well, where do you meet people? What do you do? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's true. And it's scary. I think that's a huge part. I'm going to speak for Matthew now, but I think that's a huge part of why he even exists is community. Just like the idea that there is still community on the other side of that, because that is such a scary precipice to stand on. Yeah. Um, And we kind of have, um, Karen and I kind of have a, have a cheat because we do have a, we have a faith community here in San Diego that is like way Heathen friendly. Heathen friendly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Super, super <laughs> progressive and really, um, like, cool. Like, I've given my, we call we don't call them testimonies, we call them faith formation stories. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and mine was uh, basically standing up and saying, yeah, I used to believe all this, and now I don't. And uh-huh. I, I like, like, I lead music at this uh, community and, and everything, and it was... <laughs> We were leading music together. The two of us were leading worship the morning that our sex episode called Toys and Butt Stuff came out. (laughs) Oh, yes. Which I still think is real funny. I was like, well, we're the headliners today, kids. (laughs) Sojourn Grace Collective, Toys and Butt Stuff. Sojourn Grace, we're here for you. You really can have it all. (laughs) (laughs) Seems true. Gilroy, not really. Yeah, no, and that's the thing. Very regular yeah <laughs> very evangelical yeah. and conservative sojourn yeah, graces are not a common thing like that so uh, that's no they're not that is why yeah heathen i feel and and there's all kinds of heathens you know there's there's all kinds of podcasts out there and online communities and things that people True. are doing to find, to replace like that built-in mm-hmm. connecting point um so yeah i i, I i'm one day i'm gonna move to oregon like that's my that's my dream. Oh. That's my goal. And um, when I do, <laughs> Karen is saying no. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's fine. I'll be fine. <laughs> uh, but when I do, like, it's, uh, uh, you know, 
I've just, I'm, I'm super committed. I'm like, no more church. Like I'm just done. Like, I don't want to do the, the go to the building. Um, Mm -hmm. but that's, I think I'll be able to do that because of things like that I'm investing in now, like creating community in other ways. So, because otherwise it's it's so easy to just fall back into that. Like that's a place. It is. It's the easiest. Yeah. It's the easiest fix. But I mean, depending on the community, I mean, Oregon is such a literary community and so outdoorsy. You'll find active people who like doing cool things. I think that's what thing is like. Well, what do you do? Well, I guess you go to church. But if you find yeah. a book club or or a beer club, if you're in bed, <laughs> yeah. if, if you're in hiking, yeah. fine. Yeah, we'll be good. We'll be totally fine. Yeah, we'll be all right. Um, so at what point, Carly, uh, did you like start to identify at like what did like did you start pulling away from actually going to church first or like what was the um so step, I step. left it was in waves. I left the Pentecostal church when I was 18 and, but I still believed all the stuff. Mm -hmm. It was just, I wanted to get away from that church because they were abusive. I mean, verbally abusive and spiritually abusive. Mm -hmm. I needed to get out. And so I went to this call evangelical college, like 30 miles away and just kind of cut them off. But I was still very Pentecostal, very conservative and tried to go to some churches when I was in college but you know Christian college like you're already going to chapel twice a week and you have to go to a spiritual formation group so I was being churched all the time and then I met my husband there um, our senior year and we got married a year after graduating and in that year he became a youth pastor at the church in town and the church was not Pentecostal it was a wealthy regular evangelical church plant and it was just the same the pastor had an ego trip Mm. it was all about control and manipulation Mm. Um, and my husband Josiah got fired from that position Mm. I think 10 months in for a lot of reasons but the pastor was a screamer and very Mm. abusive not a screamer on the pulpit at the pulpit he was a a nice guy but staff he was a screamer like at one point he chased my husband around the office with like a card of notes or something and just it was screaming at him jeez um so we got out of we I mean you could say God slammed the door in our faces there because my husband was like I'm gonna be a a youth pastor my whole life like that was his dream to be a youth pastor his whole life and Mm. I was like really (laughs) even even then I was still pretty Christian then but I was like really like maybe you want to like do some nonprofit work or something right. <laughs> stuff. So, but he was so committed to that. And then that happened and we were like, well, fuck this. Like we're, yeah. we moved to Boston, we moved across country, um, went to secular grad schools, made entirely new friends and kind of just before we mentally and spiritually deconstructed, just got out. Like mm. we, we started drinking for the first time and we made friends from all kinds of backgrounds, but we did not want Christian friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just had a lot of fun. We lived in Boston two years. We both got master's degrees there and drank and had great conversations and met wonderful people and got to know each other. I mean, we were 22 yeah. and just, just married. Babies. It was really an exploration time for both of us. That sounds rad. Yeah, yeah it was so fun. <laughs> 
we went through that like normal teenage rebellion when we were 23 and married. Yes. <laughs> 35, baby. Here I am. <laughs> yeah. I would watch that Netflix show. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah Awkward 23 year old yeah. evangelical couple hit the big city and totally. <laughs> learn what alcohol yeah. is. I remember my husband when he first started to drink, he'd say, is this an alcohol beverage? <laughs> <laughs> and even like I had enough sense and knowing that's not a cool question to ask. <laughs> no, so, no, you say. For a while, I mean, we own our stories now and we're very open. Yeah. We tell our friends about our background. But we were at the time, because it was so fresh, we were so embarrassed. So we didn't talk mm-hmm. about it at all. We wanted people to think that we were just this regular old couple. <laughs> like, so what'd you do before here? Oh, what? nothing. <laughs> I wasn't just a pastor. Right. <laughs> Excuse me, barkeep. Does this beverage have the whiskey? <laughs> we just we just did a whole episode on alcohol just because that is a thing for people. Like the the embarrassment, the shame wrapped up in in not having that experience is not knowing what or how to order things oh, yeah. and what to do and which yeah. follow up to well, that actually my deconstruction happened literally on the floor of a bar like <laughs> really i should have just said that in the beginning yeah yeah where was that i don't know it was a lot of little things it wasn't that dramatic actually it was it <laughs> literally happened on the floor of a bar with pieces of crushed glass all around me oh, wow. and my spilled drink <laughs> um because I, I didn't know how to drink at all. Mm-hmm. And I drank three Long Islands. Oh, hey. And then my friend gave me something with gin in it. And I had never had gin before. And I lied to her. And she was like, oh, I've had gin. I know what gin tastes like. I tasted the gin. And it seriously tasted like a pine tree. I'm like, I'm yeah. drinking a pine tree. Karen's <laughs> favorite. I love drinking pine trees. I still can't get over the fact that it tastes like a pine tree. Yeah, I'm one of there. We're very few the gin lovers of the world. I mean, I all respect. I think you're yeah. a badass. I'm yeah, not well, that you. much of a badass when it comes to my alcohol. I just like my red wine. Yes, I love it. I'm on a whiskey kick now. I have a whiskey guy, Ooh, so I'm real. I'm real legit now. Stop! <laughs> it's driving me crazy. <laughs> Although I will say, pregnancy is a good chance for me. It's my third go around now, and it's a good chance for me to reset my relationship with alcohol. Mm-hmm. There you go. So I get to the point where I find out I'm pregnant, and I'm like, "Holy shit! What am I going to do without my wine?" Uh-huh. I drink every single night if I'm not pregnant. Not like a ton, but a glass right. or a glass and a half. Sure. And then realizing that, oh wow, I. I can go without it i can have tea or like rub my feet with lotion and it's just as relaxing mm. yeah and like you, you your children are still alive and it's fine and yeah <laughs> but i really when i'm not pregnant i get to this point where i think i i have to have it at the end of the day yeah totally yeah um, it's interesting okay but i was saying about being on the I was talking, floor of a bar, oh, yeah, with glass on bar. i want to get back there because i'm super <laughs> yeah, interested so I'm, I'm drinking way too much and eating fried chicken. And I start talking about Jesus to these people, to my new friends who I've completely buried my path to. And suddenly I'm talking about Jesus. And I turned to my, my friend who was a lesbian. And I said, can they tell me that I can't believe that you can have love and get married. And I think you should be able to do that. If you want to, you should be able to do that. <laughs> She's like, thank you. <laughs> they say you can't and I just started going off about religion and my past and speaking in tongues and all the crazy stuff and then 
I fell from my bar stool, spilled my drink, the glass shatters everywhere. The bartender comes around and kicks me out. Cause then I start like yelling to him about Jesus. I was like, Jesus, I still love Jesus. And he was like, get out Jesus girl. And like, brought the giant push mop out. My friends carried me out. And it was so embarrassing. Yeah. But I look back and I think like, wow, that was actually really transformative and healing mm-hmm. and not shameful kind of maybe a little embarrassing but like that was real stuff that was happening on the floor of that bar and I found hope on the floor of that bar and I hadn't found hope in years and I had been searching for hope and it was just so ironic that there she was I found her with broken glass everywhere Hmm. I love that I love I I found hope on the floor of a bar is a good potential episode title just so Ah. You, you and Mike. Thank that. you. <laughs> I'm always looking for the episode title. Yeah, that's beautiful. I actually, I love that. I love the the broken glass metaphor is one that's near and dear to me around deconstruction. Oh, and so, I love you. I love you being surrounded by broken glass on the floor. Yes, and it, it brought this grittiness to faith that mm-hmm. that after that I was searching for. I wanted to have the faith of the broken glass and I kept looking for that in churches and just not finding it uh, I'd go hmm. to a church and they'd want to do a bible study on Hosea and why that means we should I don't know have perseverance or something and I'm like where's the grit in that where's the broken glass hmm. and I never did find it in church after that I found some communities and some small groups that that I related to and that helped me along in my journey but ever since then I've never really felt at home in church Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so what compelled you to write this story well after that night at the bar I started talking about the stories that I had kept inside because I was so embarrassed and as I Carly sorry um I think something changed in your microphone your your volume went way down I just want to make sure we can hear you is this better yeah no? I think so. Okay, I'll just hold the computer a little bit. I think, closer. I don't know if something just got covered up or something, but yeah. Or perhaps. Um, what was I saying? Sorry, I interrupted. Um, <laughs> you, started, you started telling the stories after that night in the bar. You started telling all the stories. Yeah, and, and as I'm telling the stories, I'm realizing that these are stories. These are stories to be told. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I have always been a writer. Um, I and I always wanted to write a book I just didn't know what my book was and so the moment I realized that this was my book I was just like wow this is it why didn't I see this before mm-hmm. and so I set to writing a book it, I I just opened a word document and started writing a book because mm-hmm. I was so excited that I finally had a book because I had been thinking my whole life that I wanted to write a book hmm <laughs> I love that. I love that. I've been told my whole life. I'm a writer. I've been told my whole life, like you can't write the book until the book is there and asks to be written. Mm-hmm. So I love that you had that experience of like, the book is here. Let me open yeah. my laptop. <laughs> it reminds That's me perfect. of the, um, of uh, Liz Gilbert's metaphor of the idea fairies. Oh gosh. Mm-hmm. And how if, if you say no, it goes to someone yeah. else. Yeah. <laughs> Which actually. It's really scary. I'm so afraid of that. Yeah. Now. Oh, I know. That echoes your that echoes your Pentecostal. That's what I, it, I, it's the second time I've thought yeah. of it in this conversation because earlier when you said like, oh, like I'm, I'm being moved by the spirit. And if I miss this opportunity to save that person, I, 
does. I really, I liked that chapter in her book, but it does, maybe it, this is a former Pentecostal thing, but it gives me a lot of anxiety <laughs> thinking, saying no to the universe. I mean, right. Liz Gilbert is triggering all of our ex-evangelical like. But you guys, if you say no to the universe, then someone else has the opportunity to say yes. Like that's the best form of evangelism ever. That's supposed to be mine. They might make billions of dollars. Maybe they'll wind up on Oprah's Soul Sundays. But you know, whatever. It's fine. I'm sure you'll be fine. Uh, oh my gosh. So what do you like obviously like your book is when is your book coming out it's coming out soon October 16th okay so this fall yes. so you're in the thick of it still you're like figuring out all of the the ish around it still at this yes. moment what is your hope after you get through the drudgery that is like the last minute finalizations and anxiety and the the vulnerability of the whole thing like what is your hope when I take this book home and I read it, what is your hope for these stories? I think that uh, what I hope that my book captures the spirit of that adolescent girl who's mm -hmm. so desperate to belong that she'll do anything. Mm -hmm. And I think like we may say we're tough and that we're balanced and all these things as adults but I think there's a little bit of that insecure adolescent girl in all of us so I hope that someone would read that and think oh wow that is that is me or that was me or I've been her maybe not even in a church circle but at some point in my life I've been that girl mm -hmm. do you have um uh, any so, so you said you're not you're not comfortable in church anymore and which I totally get. Um, is is that? Do you have words or language for how you do describe your spiritual life, or what? I I, I don't know if that's even the well, right way to talk about it. But and I used to think I was spiritual but not religious, yeah. and now I think I'm religious but not spiritual. And then sometimes I think I'm neither. Interesting. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not. Even with all those crazy Pentecostal memories, I'm not, I'm just not bent for being a very spiritual person. Mm -hmm. I like the here and now. I like flesh. Mm, yeah. Um, and so I don't know. I, I, I'm just not thinking in terms of connecting with a higher power. Yeah. I never really did. I always kind of forced myself, but I was always, you know, I would, I would pray and I'm trying to intercede for Israel or something. Yeah. But I'm distracted because I'm thinking about the boy I have a crush on who's six mm -hmm. inches from me. So I'm still that way. But now no one's forcing me to intercede for Israel. So I'm just thinking about the moment. I'm sorry. Intercede for Israel is just an amazing, <laughs> amazing <laughs> phrase. It's another t-shirt. You can add that to our t-shirt list. <laughs> if you wanted to be a super Christian, you had to oh, yeah. have. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a Palestinian speaker come to our, I went to a, a Presbyterian uh, college and a Palestinian speaker came and told her experience and her story. And it was like the aftermath of that was like just a whole bunch of mad college students, like and not, <laughs> not even like, I, they don't even know why they're mad. They just know we're supposed, yeah. it's, it's supposed to be Israel. Like, 
I'm mad for a reason. So my pastor had like a really weird boner for Israel. And I I think that's pretty common in in evangelical circles. So common. It's so weird. It is a weird boner. It's a weird boner. Like he had a a shofa, like the, the, you know, the horn of the Mm -hmm. ram. And then when worship would get really wild, he'd he'd pull it out and blow it in front of everyone. (laughs) He had like an Israeli flag, like the Star of David hanging that people would wave that around. And we'd, we'd, sing songs in hebrew it was really weird like talk about cultural appropriation oh yeah that was one of my like first big deconstructive questions as i kind of looked around and realized that i'm surrounded by like euro mutt type humans and (laughs) german irish scottish english people and i was like what the fuck is the deal with israel like why are we all so like we are we are the nation of israel like no not you're not though like you're celtic and ish and like definitely not middle eastern i don't know i'm confused but like that yeah like what's the what is this what is the deal and then there's all like they're returning to the holy land and they're like we're here everyone had to take a trip to israel totally never even in my my craziest days i didn't want to go it's a desert man (laughs) right i think there's just a deep insecurity there because like the whole christian religion is basically appropriated like we were like grafted in (laughs) sort of begrudgingly kind of really (laughs) i guess we'll let the gentiles in man oh man right y'all know who you are just so we're clear (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah just don't forget that we let you forget which role you play in this story like (laughs) you which characters you identify with here matters freaking Rome but <laughs> <laughs> sorry I'm not bitter I'm but oh, no, not at all. being oppressed yeah well the, um I like the uh I like the way you described your your spiritual state or, or I don't know because I don't I don't have great language for for it either but I'm similar I'm like I love the here and now I love I love that I love flesh I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I love flesh <laughs> I love flesh I know that was I'm a good appropriating one. that That's actually that's great yeah, <laughs> I love flesh we'll right I love now. flesh and intuition and like Very what's normal. going on mm-hmm. here in me what I can feel and touch mm-hmm. and see and talk to um and I'm the mm-hmm. same I don't I, I my whole experience was uh largely faking interaction with the higher power um or or just maybe not even faking it sometimes but just assuming that that what I was experiencing was what it was like oh I guess just like talking to God is just like trusting that God hears me and not actually like experiencing anything beyond that um so I yeah and I was I was really good at it too like Karen I mean I I was the best the best Christian ever that was my my thing gold stars yeah gold stars um but it was never personal. It never, it never felt real. So uh, that was my husband's experience for sure. Too. Yeah. He he knew all the scripture, but he looks back and he's like, I don't know if I ever was a believer. Just yeah. was indoctrinated. There's a difference. Totally. I think for some people, it's really genuine. Yeah, I think so too. Oh, for sure. And I mean, I had the whole. Um, did you guys have a, a, a eternal like? Um, what was the phrase where you can't lose your salvation you know like that was a promise that once you oh kind of like the calvinist thing or no armenian yeah, so we were very um, armenian. yeah yeah that was more pentecostal no 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 pentecostal you could lose your salvation that was backsliding yeah yeah we couldn't 
Um, so one, yeah, we, we, we could not. So you pray the prayer, pray the sinner's prayer. And as long as they're sincere and whatever, as long as that moment happened for you, then you're good. So I actually didn't have a lot of fear around it growing up because I felt very secure and also like something nice about yeah. that. But um, too bad the other four points of Calvinism <laughs> suck balls. Oh my god, that was that I spent because the the Christian school I went to, elementary through you know K through twelve, um, we had a real big uh, Presbyterian uh, population at that school, and my best friend was Presbyterian and so and Reformed and. So that was like my junior and senior year, senior years was just constant, like headbutting over the points of Calvinism and, and Arminianism, which is like such a normal thing for a, you know, 16 year old to be preoccupied with. That's like sure. all about evangelical college. I, I, you know, I feel bad because I'm not going to give this person credit, but I saw something on Twitter yesterday or the day before that was like, Remember in evangelicalism when you thought Calvinism and Arminianism were like two opposite ends of the religious spectrum and there was nothing yeah. else? <laughs> if we only knew. <laughs> Guys, just wait. There's a world out there. Oh, it's called wow. Universalism and it's real and it's a real yeah. theology and it's not going yeah. away. Don't you mean moral relativism? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Liberalism. <laughs> all the same I love it I like hearing you guys talk about this I'm so not like a I'm not a in in, in the moment flesh person I'm such a relation relationally oriented wooey mm. human like I'm a magically oriented yeah. human for sure like I want all the woo and the swoony and the mm. um magic I want all the magic but monogram or something I'm not well I'm the entire image triad it's a miracle <laughs> okay I'm a special snowflake. Um, but is what two, three, four, or I'm two, three, four. I'm probably yeah. two with a lot of three and some four that got huh. thrown in there. I don't know. Three with mighty wings. We'll find <laughs> out someday. Um, maybe I'm just a nine, and I don't know what I am because I'm nine. <laughs> um, regardless, uh, I um, I feel like for me, like my faith was so sincere when I really believed, like I really believed my whole life, like wholeheartedly without a lot of question in God because I'm swoony and I'm oriented that mm. way. But what's neat is like once I got through the deconstruction and once I got out the other side, like I find that exact same thing, like with the same caliber and weight of magic and meaning just in like what goes on between me and you you know just in like the basic human interaction mm-hmm. relationship like I don't need I don't need there to be another element on top of the magic that already exists in just like conversation and so like focusing on the guy that you have a crush on six feet away from you like that's God in my mind now like that totally became my definition of God and like that magic and that energy and that sort of like way that we connect that we don't quite understand has all the same power and mystery to me, which I dig. Like, I, I that. have you read Mary Carr? No, she okay. Well, you should read Mary Carr, she's okay, fantastic. But she talks about sacred carnality hmm. and how the sacred is in the flesh and blood, hmm. yeah. And she, she talks about that from a writer's perspective, so including carnal details like in your in your prose like smell and the gritty and sweat and this the gritty mm. because that is the holy stuff mm. yeah i love that well now i want to talk about like 
sensory stuff and synesthesia and we're going to go on a weird tangent here so we'll just stop <laughs> now uh, but maybe that's a slippery slope can we talk to let's, like let's, look at let's talk about the slippery yeah. slope <laughs> well we we do these slippery we do a slippery slope series too where we we talk about or engage with things that we like weren't that were too dangerous uh, yeah to that was the alcohol episode yeah. it was a that was the alcohol episode or like we found tarot cards or <laughs> we attempted to record a weed episode. We'll see oh how God. that goes. It was so bad. <laughs> so Because we, we do the thing in the episode that we're like talking about. So we got high and tried to record a podcast. <laughs> it did not go well. For, pe- for people who don't regularly get high. Oh, man. <laughs> we lost so we all ability to communicate with each other. <laughs> it was great. It literally. <laughs> what it, happened? Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just, it, it literally oh, ended with, uh, we just, like, we just shut down the conversation mid-sentence and we're like, let's just go watch Doctor Who instead. Like, <laughs> so we just turned off the computer. There's like half of an episode of. Beautiful. I love it. Gotta go. It's the most accurate weed episode that anyone has ever recorded. Yes. Like, it's real life, it turns out. So stay tuned, heathens, coming soon. I don't soon. know how we're going to yeah. salvage it, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> we're gonna use obviously a time machine and it's gonna be yeah fun. uh well this has been lovely i'm glad we finally got to make it happen um oh the name of the book i don't think we've said it uh, oh yeah once you're uh, i'm gonna say it wrong once you're in once you go in once you go once in. you go in i had the title of backslidden for five yeah. years <laughs> passed it out in my publisher I was thinking that I could get a kind of like a progressive Christian publisher and backslidden is a very like jargon-y word that a lot of ex-Christians can relate to but apparently if you're not then you have no idea what that means and it doesn't mean Mm -hmm. anything so they're like no you can't use backslidden so they came up with once you go in based on a phrase in the book right on um yeah I like it I love it Anything else that you want to plug, push? Where can people find you online? Uh, where can we look for copies of your book to pre-order? Or well, it's, it's already on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. You can order it anywhere online, wherever you like to buy your books. Um, okay. I recommend IndieBound because then you can order it from your local indie Yay. store or indie bookstores. Um, and my author website is carlygelsingerauthor.com. And you can find all my events. I live in the Bay Area, so I'm going to do some events in California. So if you live in California, you could find out where I'm going to be. Yay. Yeah. I love talking with people, readers, writers, anybody. Awesome. That's awesome. Thank you for making the time to talk to us. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And we'll put the links uh, in the show notes. So everybody go there right now. Go to the show notes. Go, go show notes if you love flesh <laughs> see what kind of traffic we get I don't know <laughs> open this up 
Thanks for listening to Heathen. We're here every week. And in the meantime, if you miss us, you can find us in the following ways. Follow at Heathen Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us an email at askheathen at gmail.com, especially if you have feedback or ideas for future episodes. Leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and that helps other people find Heathen. And if you'd like to contribute to this community for people who need a soft place to land as they move away from bad religion, you can support Heathen on Patreon at patreon.com slash heathen podcast well thank you for your support with exclusive bonus content which you know is going to be freaking awesome (laughs) wherever you find yourself in this space of godless spirituality spiritual godlessness or anywhere in between you're not alone we're glad you're here here's to the heathens (laughs) 